You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Tuesday, and today you'll hear an episode from our Takeover series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to another fun takeover series. As as most of you know, every Tuesday and Thursday, we have started to find amazing leaders who are doing great podcasts. And we want to partner up because guess what? They have a lot of times great content that you may not never hear about. And if you like it, you can go and subscribe to that. And I know people call me crazy to do that, but I think if you learn more together, you will be better. That is one of our goals with it. So this time, a very good friend of mine, David Lewis, who is the CEO and founder of DemandGen, is again, just like last year, collaborating with me on this amazing series. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sangram. So glad to be back. I feel like whenever you and I do these collaborations, it's a little bit like, uh, well, maybe Justin Bieber and Chance the Rapper. Which one do you want to be? I, I can't uh, sing, so I'll take, I'll take Chance. Well, the fun part is people are going to hear this every single time when we do the entire series because you're going to have 10 of your episodes, the best of the best episodes, and you're calling it the marketing power player. So Dave, just share a little bit about who you're interviewing, what these uh, episodes are all going to be about. Will do. Thank you so much, guys, for, uh, for being with me on this TakeOver series. I'm really proud to bring you guys some incredible leaders from our series. If you guys are not already subscribing to De- Demand Gen Radio, look it up. These are some of the top 10 episodes that ran in 2020. And you've got people like Heidi Malin, who is one of the top CMOs uh, around the world. Career lessons from her. Naomi Liu, who is over at EFI. She runs marketing operations there. And she's talking about a marketing automation migration that they did. Michael Madden over at Adobe on how Marketo actually does demand generation. Folks like Joe Payone at Splunk on how to build a successful demand generation strategy. David Eldred on the power of marketing driving revenue. And Rob Boyce around ramping up marketing during a downturn. So many other great episodes as well, but just a really I, I hand-selected a series of episodes that not only did great on our channel, Sangram, but the content is so relevant and so important to your audience. Oh, man, I, I love that. I can't wait to jump into it. This is a full-on series that I really wanted people to take a, take a look into. So, folks, uh, if you are listening this introduction for the first time, just know this is a whole series. In the show notes, you're going to see more information about how do you go and check out David's uh, radio. Uh, you can also look at all the YouTube series that they have started, which seems to be going really, really well. So all those details will be in the show notes. It will also tell you, is this the first of the series or the 10th of the series? So make sure you check the show notes out and make sure you follow Dave Lewis. Dave, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. You guys have been tuning in. You know that for the last several weeks, maybe even months now, I have been inviting heads of marketing, chief marketing officers, VPs of marketing, heads of marketing operations to bring you a lot of the methods and technologies that they are using to drive growth. And today I am joined by Lisa Horner. And Lisa is the VP of marketing of Appfolio. And Lisa and I have known each other. It feels like a decade now. It could be because... uh, 
Lisa used to be senior director of demand generation at Citrix going back to April of 2007. And I started the company, Lisa, in June of 2007. So it just might be a full 13 years that we have known one another. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. It's great to be here, David. And yes, we do go way back. And that's why I do need my uh, my snap camera filters when we talk. Well, if you saw Lisa right now, she has a beautiful sunlit window behind her with some nice, gorgeous trees outside, located in Santa Barbara and a Macintosh. But I, I that's like a full iMac setup that you have there. But I, you, I, you, I bet you work on a laptop, don't you? I actually, I switch it up right now. I think, okay. uh, you know, it's interesting times and we need to find ways to be as productive as we can. So I, I work a little bit around the house, the yard, et cetera, trying to get the most out of this time frame. Nice. Well, what kind of caricature would you have on you right now if you had all those, those special fun tools? I was saying my daughter has bunny ears that she always puts bunny ears on, which are really cute. I love the bunny ears. I like the, uh, I like the makeup app. You know, you don't really need to do anything. You don't need to put makeup on in the morning. You just turn the makeup camera filter on. Boom, on, you're ready really to go. They have that? They really have that. Yes, I love it. I just have good lighting. That's, that's, that's something that I've invested in. If any of you want to know, I actually posted some gear recommendations recently on LinkedIn. I put links to it, microphones, headsets, lighting, and all that. Because this is the new normal for us. We all have to have great gear at home. I want to ask you a question I've never asked you before. It's a little personal. Um, your LinkedIn profile picture, you look like you're up on stage somewhere. Where, where was that? Uh, I believe I was presenting at MisfitCon in Fargo. I think that was probably in 2014. It was a great conference. It was, you know, it was a very diverse and interesting, eclectic set of people there. And for some reason, that that photo just makes me look super professional, Dave. I love it. It is, it is a very super professional. You look, you look, you look at someone of extreme authority and inspiration at that moment. There we go. That's what I'm going for. It's working for me then. It works. It works. All right. So uh, let me tell you something about Lisa. Uh, in in her previous role running demand generation at Citrix, you guys know the entire product line that she had responsibility for. Uh, the go-to line, go to meeting, go to webinar, go to my PC, all of those products. She is, as I like to say, the queen of try and buy. So her background and growth strategy at Citrix was you know, I wouldn't say spray and pray, Lisa, but you, it was all a numbers game. Let's get people in the top of the funnel. Let's get them using and trying our applications and let's convert them to customers. And today we're not talking anything really about that at all that much. We're talking about a go-to-market strategy around doing account-based. So big pivot for you. How's it going? It really is a big pivot. And I, I think, um, you know, going from an e-commerce go-to-market to you know, a, a SaaS B2B vertical go-to-market is a big shift. And, you know, there's something also in there about going from a horizontal set of target segments to much more of a vertical and, you know, a very uh, defined customer base. So, uh, yeah, a lot has to change when you think about the go-to-market strategy and the customer or, or set of segments that you're going after. So yeah, we've had to make some serious pivots in our thinking to, to make this happen. Well, let's break it down for people. I love on the podcast to kind of be a recipe book for 
success, which can include, hey, don't do this or this didn't work. Um, but Lisa and the team there at Appfolio have been on this account-based journey, which requires a lot. It's going in that strategy, as, as we'll talk about, is not for the faint at heart. Um, it requires a level of integration and alignment with other organizations outside of marketing that really um, challenge the culture and alignment of an organization. So Lisa, maybe you could take us through though, kind of where the start was, like what, what happened that said, it's time for our organization to go to market in this way. If you can take us back to that, that story. So I would say it was probably uh, mid 2017. We were doing annual planning going into the 2018 timeframe and we were setting our sights on going up market. Right. And so when, when we, when we really took a look at what it was going to take and how those customers acted in, in the buy funnel, um, it was very different from our smaller SMB segment. And it was different in the timeframes and sales velocity. But really what struck us was that we could see a, a very distinct trend in sourcing that business or sourcing the pipeline, let's just say. Mm-hmm. and where SMB was very heavily inbound sourced uh, versus like the prospecting engine, let's say the BDRs and sales. As we looked and studied those, those customers that were much larger, um, the sourcing was very heavily outbound sourced. And so that was the first kind of place that we got to that said, okay, we need to look at account-based and we need to make a heavy investment there. And we need to study it and understand how we're going to apply it to our business. So at the time of you and I recording this, it is beginning of September. And to me, the beginning of September, besides seeing the Halloween candy make it onto the shelves, is the time when all of us start planning next year and our growth strategy. And one of the things that you said to me is that ABM has to fit into the overall growth strategy. It, it uh, When you're planning you're doing your annual annual planning process and the pressure is on marketing and sales to say, let's put new numbers on the board for next year. What do you think we can do from a growth perspective? Tell me how the account-based approach fit into that. Because in the past, or for a lot of people, playing the numbers game of doing either trials or you know more mass marketing, you've moved to a very targeted marketing model. How did you feel about seeing a growth number, having a growth number? And then feeling like, well, this is the way that we're going to get there, which is this is a less is more approach, right? Or I don't know if that's the way to say it, but it's it's a targeted approach. And I'm wondering if you felt different in the planning process, advice that you would have for others, which is if you're going into annual planning and you're, you're projecting what it's going to take to get the revenue number, what should they be thinking about in terms of processes, technologies, investments to hit that number different from what maybe you've done in the past? Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's the foundation of the account-based strategy, right? Which then gets you into execution. You know, the way that we think about it is, you know, given where we want to be exiting, let's say 2020, 2021, what we have to say is, okay, what are the historical trends in sourcing the business? You know, both the demand, uh, the accounts, right? When you think about account-based, the pipeline, what it takes to do that, and then, you know, the closed business or the sales or the revenue, however however businesses think about that. Um, and for us, it's in 
creating a model that has both marketing investment, business development investment, and sales investment to meet the needs of each segment. And so each segment needs to deliver X in an annual time frame. Mm-hmm. And the pipeline is sourced by X. Therefore, if we intend to grow, it's going to require this level of investment. And, and the model is the first mover to deciding, one, d- is that growth achievable? But two, what are the investments required to generate that growth? And you know, I would say that account-based is very targeted and can be very efficient. But when businesses are, are talking about things like breaking into new markets, there's a level of awareness uh, and, and credibility and thought leadership investment that also has to be there, right? You have to be on the de facto list of, of a known player in the market. So, you know, the marketing mix isn't perfect to account-based, but it is a, a, a big driver of, you know, setting up for success going into an annual timeframe. And you've been doing it now for about two and a half years. So this is, uh, it's still new-ish and two and a half years goes by very quickly, but you've learned a lot about what works and what doesn't work. And you said to me that, you know, when I said, how's it going? And you said, fantastically. And I'm sure knowing your persona that that bar always gets set higher every year for yourself in terms of what fantastic looks like. What take us back in time to the start. So you're looking at your tech stack. And did you say, and how did you know? Two part question. Did you say, I'm missing tools that I need? And how did you know that? Because you, you certainly had Salesforce and in your case, Marketo, you had the, the basic ingredients to engagement marketing and targeted marketing and uh, a platform for marketing and sales. But how'd you figure out additional tools that you would need to support the processes you were going to put in place? You know, we hit the circuit like a lot of people do. We hit uh, some of the big events. We went out to the trade shows. We, you know, we demoed a ton of technology. Um, it, it started with a strategy. What we what were we going to do? And then we said, OK, what's the most effective way to achieve it with the customer acquisition teams, marketing, business development and sales? And so, you know, we knew we were missing an, an account based platform. We ultimately purchased Engageo. Um, and we didn't get into like account-based advertising for a while because as we as we got started, you know, the biggest problem wasn't the technology. The biggest problem was account generation and account blueprinting. And so, you know, the first, I would say the first mover of account-based is what is the right model in order to source the business? And the second requirement of account-based is the account. That's the formula. And so I think we had a very naive view of what it would take to generate and blueprint accounts for the business development and sales organizations. And that was our first blocker as we got going. And it wasn't really the technology. It was more about like, how do we map the total addressable market and understand what our ICP is in that market? That was the toughest thing. It was a big hurdle. So you added Engageo. And, uh, the reason for you adding engage you at that time, what would you say you wanted to achieve that required a platform like that? Or what did you anticipate that you would need for adding that as a layer on top of your marketing automation system? I mean, I think we needed visibility and we needed a technology that the teams could work in, in unison. So when we think about like, 
how do we actually achieve the orchestration between those three teams and customer acquisition? We needed a place for everybody to have a view of what was transpiring Mm -hmm. with the accounts that we were targeting. And Mm -hmm. it was a way for marketing, business development, and sales to work together in unison and to have visibility of the outcomes of their work. And so that was really the requirement of Engageo um, as, as we, you know, purchased it and began to implement that technology. And then you added um, targeted advertising, which you're a big, big fan of. Game changer, I think, is the word that you uh, or words you describe. And so you needed a platform for that and approach to that. Uh, tell me about that. What was that like and how the light bulb go on there? And then what has been your experience and learnings from that? I, I think I mentioned to you, we've been running very targeted ads on LinkedIn. And for all of you yep. listening, uh, if you haven't seen our ads on LinkedIn, don't take it personally. We, um, we're, we're still experimenting with it. If, if you should be a client of demand gen, shame on us for not getting our ads, uh, in front of you. But we are using very, very specific role, industry, company size, tech footprint, all of these things to say, you know, here is our offering or whatever piece of content we're putting in front. And to your point, it's working so well. We just keep asking marketing, can you throttle it up? Can you, because every lead that we generate is bam, right there in our target persona and the engagement is going really well. So now you just want to do more of it. But I'd love to hear about your experience because you're operating at a whole different scale than demand gen. Yeah, I think, um, you know, so we had to bring in the digital team, right? So when we think about the just display advertising as a capability for marketing, you know, we all lived historically in this unknown audiences, targeting them to the best of our ability in all of the different, you know, digital channels and, and, and building amazing content marketing systems to get people to engage that were unknown to us to turn them into known prospects and customers, right? And I think we still use that formula today when we're going out to ensure that we're reaching um, our total market, especially in the SMB segment, right? Um, but as we as we better understood that there were mechanisms to uh, be very very precise in display advertising for both unknown and known accounts, um, it just opened up a new world for us. Um, that's when we came to know Terminus and. You know, we were skeptical, by the way. We were skeptical about, you know, is it really going to work? There are things about third-party data that we had no information about that we would typically understand with first-party data, right? And so we went into a heavy testing scenario. So we purchased Terminus. We implemented Terminus, you know, in concert with um, the CRM system, Salesforce, and Engageo and Marketo. Um, And we had to do a lot of data work associated with that. We had to really employ the marketing operations organization to help us implement and streamline the data flow between those systems and our, you know, data warehouse. But we had to test to see if we really could get the reach out of the account-based advertising through the Terminus platform. And Mm -hmm. like you're saying, it's a game changer. You know, one, it's incredibly efficient to a market to your precise customer and the exact 
ideal customer that you want to engage with and and sell to. So, I mean, it's incredibly effective and efficient, and it really is a game changer. Layering on on top um, intent data. I've had uh, the guys from Bambora on the podcast. We even, uh, for those of you who have not discovered Demand Gen TV yet, that has been our newest channel of educational content for you. So go to YouTube and search for Demand Gen and find our channel. Please subscribe, but you'll find some demos of Engageo, which we're talking about. So if you want to see what Engageo looks like, if you've never seen it, um, that's there. There's also demos of Bambora. So you can check that out. And we're, Lisa, by the way, going to keep adding more and more MarTech. For those of us that can't get the trade shows right now, like what a great way. And it's just one of our playlists is more and more MarTech. So you guys can see demos of this. Um, by the way, if you want a faster path, it's demandgen.tv for those of you who want to check out the content we have there. So we've got, you know, how demand gen does demand gen, kind of our own recipes and success, but we've got a lot of MarTech and more to come. Anyway, back on the topic of Bambora, uh, there's the persona that you want to market to. And then there's the data that you can harness about what people are interested in and um, the surging on particular topics. Have you guys been able to leverage that and how's it working for you? Well, when we first engaged Bombora, they really didn't have topic themes for us. And so we had to make a case that, mm. hey, we need you to help us uh, to find our customer, which is, you know, a vertical market customer, not a big, you know, horizontal industry, etc. So we, you know, it took us a while to get topic coverage from Bombora. But the minute that they they had data for us, intent data, we implemented it. And so we do use it today. And it is a tremendous way for us to prioritize and, and understand who are, you know, who wants to talk to us, that's on our list of ideal customers. And it really helps us to prioritize the activation efforts, and gives us a whole lot of insight into what's happening out there offsite. That's cool. For those of you who haven't heard that concept of topic coverage, so picture a company like mine, DemandGen, where we help a lot of companies migrate from one marketing automation system to another. Lisa and I have a very, uh, well, not so funny story. I guess we laugh about it now. But if that was the topic, like um, what it takes to migrate from one marketing automation system to another, to give you an example, it's whether Bambora is tracking people consuming that type of content. Because if they're tracking that content and we know like, wow, someone's thinking of going from you know, platform A to platform B, and then we can target them with our migration services. Boom. It's like a, a laser strike in terms of getting our content in front of the right audience, including the other um, you know, demographics and firmographic information. So what you were finding is they didn't have those topics inside the platform and you were able to influence them to start collecting that information, which is, which is cool. You also use LiveRamp. What, uh, how are you using LiveRamp? What capacity? The way we use LiveRamp today is um, to reach into the social platforms. Really, I think it's I think it's the the, the best mechanism that we have found to um, get access to the total account in social platforms. So, you know, Terminus and LiveRamp are solving two different things for us in account-based advertising. And uh, LiveRamp has some fantastic capabilities with like LinkedIn and Facebook, let's just say. And mm -hmm. so we're using both technologies to execute account-based advertising, but uh, for two different scenarios. 
All right. So that's, that's tech. And by the way, for everybody, um, I'm going to credit Terminus with the genesis of the team framework. We talked about Terminus and Sangram Vajray and I work very closely, a lot of thought leadership content. And he came up with this idea of the word team or account-based go-to-market. And I just loved it. Now we adapted it a little bit from where they started. Uh, but as Lisa and I have talked about, it's T is for target. So who are you going after? Who's, who's the accounts that you want to have and how are you going to approach them? The E in team is for engagement, which Lisa and I can talk about next. Like what type of engagement are you going to do with them? Everything from email, direct mail, different people within the organization. Uh, A is activation. It is getting this technology, deploying this technology, enabling your sales, BDR, and any other function in the organization, activating them on the account base and M is measurement, which we'll, which we'll get to. So let's, um, let's talk about engagement, Lisa, and maybe share some of the things. What, what are you doing from an orchestration perspective? What kind of engagement is working for you guys in account engagement and acquisition? So we, um, you know, we have, these segment dedicated teams, right? And, and each of these prospects act a little bit differently in terms of the sales velocity, let's just say, or the number of touches to drive uh, an opportunity, let's just say. Um, and so we kind of, we start with, you know, what's the lay of the land given the segment and what do we believe based on all of the attribution information that we have is the right set of things that we can be doing to not only drive engagement, but to increase the velocity of conversion. So, so we start there. And then I think we spend a whole lot of time in what are the right stories that are focused on driving customer value and differentiation in the marketplace. And so we really focus on education and how we can drive value for the customer, right? In, in multiple different uh, program channels, let's just say. And we spend a lot of time making the linkage to the prospecting enablement materials to continue the story and to continue like the value-based story for these customers and prospects. So when you look at the the set of storylines, materials, and t- more top funnel engagement, right, or early journey engagement, it, it's a continuation of the storyline as the business development rep or the sales rep moves into a more uh, dedicated conversation and a, a deeper conversation around our technology and what it does. So there's nice um, strategic storytelling linkage across all of the, the the prospect and customer engagement, which, you know, makes us feel um, cohesive out there. And we don't have breaks in, you know, odd engagements in the mid funnel. So I love the work that we're doing and the teams are doing. And I feel like it's a cohesive experience for the customer. Do you guys have a BDR type function? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And where what, does that group report into sales, marketing, or what does that structure look like? So the business development team reports into marketing, but dots very heavily into sales. And okay. really, it sits in the middle of the two organizations. And 
the BDR is, is the person engagement from a marketing perspective, right? But it's the prospecting and early account strategy with the salesperson. So really, they're sitting right in the middle of these teams. And are they armed with any tool sets for doing their aspect of engagement? Yes, they actually are. They, um, the, the business development team works out of a tool called Sales View. Okay. And we've kicked the tires on a number of tools out there. And they continue to love the capabilities of SalesView today. Uh, but there's a lot of fantastic tools out there that we've looked at. And um, we're always kind of scanning what's happening, what's changed in MarTech, and uh, what's on our next list to evaluate and pilot. The uh, measurement side, let's, uh, let's hit that, skip over activation, because we could talk about that forever. But measurement... Uh, I had a great podcast with Mary Bramell, and I don't know if it's aired relative to our podcast, but hopefully you guys are listening to all of them. But Mary and I started, uh, you know, talked about the end in mind and and key metrics for heads of marketing uh, that are responsible for revenue, which is everybody should be these days. What type of KPIs or measurements are you using and tracking slash reporting on for the account base go to market? What are some of those? So we use, you know, we use the typical uh, big picture funnel. So what's really happening if we zoom way out, what's really happening across the funnel for customer acquisition. So we use that, you know, typical waterfall funnel and we're trying to understand big picture. Are things working one to what we would expect? And are we achieving the big outcomes um, of the full customer acquisition organization. Uh, as we as we click down into the KPIs and measurements that each each team is using, you know one of the one of the big and new metrics that we put in place was engagement. Mm-hmm. And so I- instead of really focusing on you know the DG MQL type uh, metric for marketing, the the goal really when we think about account based is can we drive engagement with the highest priority accounts and, and are we getting the, the response and, you know, consumption of the things that we're saying out there. So that's a big metric for us and we watch it very closely. So if we have a thousand accounts that we're going after and we have 20% engagement, something's wrong. Right. Um, and, and we've had to really heavily invest in, in dashboards that we've built that the marketing business development and sales teams can all use. Um, mm-hmm. and, it's, they've been incredibly helpful to watch what's transpiring as we engage and activate the accounts that are our highest priority. When you said that 20% engagement is, is not okay, it probably depends on where you are in your journey for account base. So if you're starting off and you have maybe 10%, at least bar is always very high, by the way. Um, but if you have 10% and maybe you're just starting out, okay, 20%, you're further down the path. What type of numbers should, do you think people should be striving for at a certain level of maturity in terms of engagement with their targets? Do you have that kind of benchmark set for yourself? What do you think that is? I think it really depends on um, what, the, what the sales cycle is, right? So if you have a 12-month sales cycle, it's something distinct from a three-year sales cycle. So depending on the type of customer you're going after and the deal value, I think those numbers would be different. From my perspective, in an annual time frame, I would like to see 100% engagement from a marketing metric um, of the target accounts. 
that we would dedicate uh, in our account-based program. And I think that's a BHAG goal, but I still think that that's an achievable goal. And, and, and having the marketing so um, feel like service, let's just say, right. Mm-hmm. And really focused on the customer. Those are achievable things. And, you know, that's not full market engagement, but that is dedicated ICP account engagement. We're focused on hundred percent in marketing. Now high we bar. think that's a high bar, but it's achievable. I think those are achievable things. The um, you talked about sales cycles. So when, uh, when COVID hit, we needed our finance manager to be able to access her PC uh, from home. And guess what? Guess what I licensed? Go to my PC. Right. You probably recognize that. Yeah. I do. I do. And that was a one hour sales cycle, if it was even that. Right. So um, that that type of product lends itself to you can discover it, have a pain point, find it, get it, probably even a free trial and then license it. But you can get it immediately. At Folio, you guys make property management software and all kinds of cloud-based technologies for companies, whether that's student housing, residential, commercial, right? Not a impulse buy, um, longer sales cycle. So how do you determine like the, you said you have a big focus on educational content, which makes sense to inform these maybe more legacy industries or ways that they did things in the past that they now can do it. Um, Your engagement, does the engagement if, if you're getting this hundred percent engagement, does the engagement um, have some kind of bell curve to it? Or do you find like it's a steady state? Does it, does it cycle up over time? Does it start having the beginning and wean down? What are you seeing in terms of like engagement patterns with these, these target accounts? Um, I would say that early, early in the relationship with us, we have a lot of like time on website and we have a lot of downloadable content, a lot of uh, webinar attendance. And as the time frame goes on, it becomes more of a one-to-one people engagement with the business development and sales organizations. Um, and so I, I just think the mix of the engagement shifts over time as the deal matures. I do feel like, though, there's an, an always on set of things that that we're doing um, that across the, the the buyer's journey, people are taking part in. Right. So it really depends on the program and it depends on the segment, how people and what people on the account are consuming what. Right. So, so important for you. Any of you even doing lead scoring, let alone account scoring to hear exactly what Lisa said, which is. There is a less of engagement with digital assets as they go through the buying cycle. Um, Lisa, you know, Eric Choi. Eric used to be part of Lisa's team way back in the day. Eric and I did the very first, I think the very first internet's webinar on lead scoring. And this was when Eric was part of Lisa's team. When, when Eric moved to Massachusetts, he joined our team and I called Lisa and asked for permission. And you granted that, which was very nice. Because Eric's <laughs> rock star. And we were teaching people about lead scoring. One of the things that we covered on that webinar, which is like 12 years ago, is that do not do lead scoring decay. Like don't tell your team that there's a, don't create a false negative, that don't, don't plummet someone's score or an account engagement score because they're interacting less with your digital assets because they may be very involved in the buying cycle and very involved with sales. Now, you know, if you're giving credit, like you can in Engageo for 
meetings and that type of engagement, great. But so many people, uh, and I see this a lot in Pardot environments, they will they will degrade the score for a lack of engagement and it produces false negatives. So something to be careful about your engagement scoring is knowing what that curve looks like in the buyer's um, journey. I, I would imagine talking about measurement again, that you are talking about the uh, pipeline that you guys are generating through the accounts, uh, as well as as bookings, uh, the revenue attachment um, to it. What advice would you have for people in terms of setting goals around uh, some of those those metrics? You know, can I don't know how much your strategy, let's say, plays into the overall revenue pie account based. Is it a portion of the revenue that you're trying to achieve, or it is the go to market strategy? for you guys and therefore all the revenue that, that marketing is generating in terms of pipeline and bookings, is that coming from your account-based approach? I'll, I'll answer it theoretically first. So theoretically, the full customer acquisition capability, which is marketing, business development, and sales is all focused on you know the, the total uh, sales or revenue number, right? And so when we wake up in the morning, we're all on the same team and we think about the outcomes in a, a total way. So when we show up, we're all focused on the big outcomes, right? Now we all understand there are very specific, more micro metrics and KPIs uh, that we're looking for as we implement the, the strategies to drive the business. Um, and individuals, you know, have targets that they're aiming for in order to, you know, ensure the later funnel or later uh, components of the buying cycle come true, but we definitely don't create a scenario where marketing, business development, and sales are misaligned on their KPIs and outcomes. You know, one of the things that that we all in our organization despise is the idea that you know marketing could be celebrating when sales and the business misses the goal. Like we cannot have a scenario like that. So we're all committed to these big outcomes and uh, it keeps us all on the same team when we do that. Mm -hmm. um, I love, I love that cultural mindset. I, I hate the war of attrition. I mean, of uh, attribution, hate the war of attribution. It's no, that was, we sourced that. No, we sourced that. No, we influence that. We, and, and what's interesting is that when the bell gets rung, the literal bell in many organizations and, and the, and a deal is closed to give sales 100% credit for that is, is really discrimination against marketing. Uh, it, it, and, and you have felt it in your career. I felt it in my career. I'm sure everybody has like, that's a team celebration. And when you go an account-based approach to use like football as an analogy, since we're entering football season, I hope there's football this year. Um, when, when the score is made, it was not, the offensive team or the defensive team. I mean, there are stats, especially for fantasy football players, like who got the score, but the team won. The team yeah. got the ball down the field and made a score. And that's the mindset that you need to have with an account-based approach is because the ball is moving back and forth between sales and marketing all the time. It's not like the traditional baton passing where a lead is generated by marketing. It's passed over to sales and, and good luck. Um, it is constant set of plays and orchestration that keeps moving the ball down the field until you score the point and get, get the win. So you celebrate together. I like what you said is like, you know, how dare uh, marketing celebrate something if, if sales isn't able to have the same celebration, same success, because you're so misaligned. Um, yeah. Do you, which, which word do you feel better represents 
account-based, is it alignment or is it integration in terms of the culture mindset between marketing and sales? Are you aligned or are you integrated? I think you have to be integrated. I think it's a stronger, more powerful word. I love, I love alignment. And I think we can be aligned on a strategy, let's say. But when, when you get into like true execution, it has to be integrated and it has to be a more powerful, uh, intimate connection in order to work hand in hand to, to deliver the outcomes. Um, and it takes a lot of integration and it takes a lot of communication and it takes, you know, all of the help of the operations capabilities, both in, you know, marketing and sales to get these universal views for universal goals and to, you know, all celebrate the, 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 the chronology of goals that are happening on the way to like the big outcomes. Uh, so I feel like it's integration, Dave. Do you, um, as we, as we get to a wrap up, I, by the way, 100% agree. I've tried to shed the word alignment out of my vocabulary. Our consultants do as well. It's really in today's day and age, it's about integration. Um, alignment was a nice aspiration to have. I think serious decisions, you know, put a lot of energy into saying how marketing sales need to be aligned, but that's not far enough. You got to be integrated. Uh, want to talk about the team and not the framework team, but your actual team. Do you have an account base manager, someone who has the duties and responsibilities for the overall program of account base? What, what advice would you give for people in terms of structuring resources? Two part question. Oh, that's a really good question. And we've kind of done a, a pendulum swing on that. So when, when we kicked off the account based program, we absolutely wanted an account based leader and somebody who was waking up in the morning and thinking about that. I feel like that was limiting as we got going. And we really needed to think about these segment-based or product-based or however you're set up, uh, marketing managers that could do both an inbound strategy as well as an account-based strategy in order to drive the total business for that segment. And so everybody has had to become an account-based marketer um, and more and less so depending on how the business is sourced. So if we think about a very account-based sourced segment, that person is 90% account-based focused and orchestrated, right? Or integrated, however you want to use that term. Other segments are less account-based and more like inbound uh smaller sales cycle sourced. Love it. For all of you listening, two things, resources for you. Uh, one is reach out to Lisa, Lisa Horner, H-O-R-N-E-R. Connect with her on LinkedIn in case you need a peer or colleague to bounce some ideas off of and, and, and get some lessons from. The other place I would direct you to is uh, DemandGen's Resource Center. So if you go to demandgen.com, uh, we have our resources center right there in the top menu and you'll find, uh, a lot of content organized by topic. Uh, ABM is, is the top topic probably because it begins with the letter A, but no, it's, uh, it's a place where Lisa, people need a lot of information. We've got stuff in there, like how to implement your ABM strategy. We have content around is ABM right for you. Uh, we have content in there around, you know, ABM now, what a whole checklist for 
preparing for an ABM implementation. So lots of good stuff in there. You can feel free to, of course, to reach out to me. My team uh, needs to help you guys on your journey. We can do that. Uh, Lisa, last piece of advice from you for these folks. What should you not do? Do you have a like, oh my God, don't, don't do this or just a piece of advice to help someone on their journey that maybe is not as far along as, as you are? Yeah, I feel like one of the hardest things that we set out to do was the actual, the targeting piece. So the accounts, we initially outsourced that and we tried to use third parties to help us to not only generate accounts or, or map our total addressable market, but also blueprint the accounts. And something that we learned uh, very early on was that was a very hard process. It was expensive and insourcing the account generation database management and data quality was a big learning for us. And it helped us to speed our account-based strategy and really implement it. So that was one big learning that we had and uh, will continue to insource data management and data quality moving forward. Got it. And that's not a set it, forget it initiative, as you know. It's like you're always talking about the target accounts. It's it's always a process of adding more into the stack of who you're going to go after. And and that's why I think, you know, your your goal of having 100% engagement is it is a BHAG because it's got to be that hard and challenging that you really put the effort and say, what would it take for us to get 100% engagement by our target accounts? Um, thank you for sharing all of this today. Thank you, by the way, for over a decade of, of engagement working with my team. Uh, I miss you. We haven't been out at any shows in a long time. So let's make sure that when we get the, the veil is lifted, we can go out and, and, and celebrate some more success together. Um, Cynthia Berger, who you, of course, know, just, just hired us. She just moved to a new company and she brought us back in there. So the Citrix team, uh, all, of, all the people that have worked for you over the years have, have uh, been connecting with our team. And it's been nice that uh, from the genesis that we started together. Thank you. I love it, David. And thank you so much for being a wonderful partner in really designing the strategies for our industry. And uh, I cannot wait to see you out there on the road very soon. Sounds good. Let's do it. And to all of you, I hope you guys had a great summer. I know kids are back at school, whether that's homeschooling. And for those of you that are dealing with homeschooling, my hearts uh, and thoughts go out to you because that's a big challenge. Um, I never had to deal with that in my uh, lifetime, my girls uh, launched without ever um, having to face with those challenges. I feel for you guys. Um, and I feel for Lisa and I talked about just how hard everybody is working right now and how back to back every meeting of every hour is. So please make sure on the weekends that you guys just take a breath, log out and just rest and relax uh, because every week is, is like is game day for sure for all of us. Um, Again, grab the Resources Center, connect with Lisa, and hope to see you guys on Demand Gen TV. What's cool about Demand Gen TV, unlike the podcast, is there's comments uh, for the videos. So I'd love to hear from you guys. But also, if you're enjoying these videos, if you learned something today, if you enjoyed today's episode, will you drop Lisa and or I a note on LinkedIn? We'd love to hear from you guys. And that's going to do it for this episode. We'll catch you on the next one. Take care. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.